lots of talk about how sitting causes health problems and all this other sort of stuff. So a lot of effort got put into place to try and get us moving. Makes a lot of sense. But really, a lot of people try and get us moving, and nobody really talks about why we sit to begin with. Hmm. Do people sit for longer periods when mentally exhausted or physically exhausted? Or does mental exhaustion lead to more standing and fidgeting? Listen to The Good Doctor to find out. Roll the intro. Hello, and welcome to Coffee with Cashy. I am your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy. I love nerds. The nerds we're discussing today, they are knee deep into the practical psychophysiology of sitting. And I think most of us have heard the ridiculous sounding quip that sitting is the new smoking, which I immediately called BS on, immediately. Why do I immediately call BS on this? Well, I'll tell you why, it's actually quite simple. Sitting was around way before smoking ever was. Therefore, I propose a motion to the committee for an immediate retraction and supplantation with smoking is the new sitting. Hmm? Do we have agreement? I hope so. It all sounds ridiculous and also obvious, right? Uh, sitting has been bad for you forever now. Stress, depression, bone loss, diabetes, cancer, heart disease, you name it, prolonged sitting appears to make it worse. This desk is appearing to make my patients worse. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, but for all these scary projections, we may know sitting is bad for you, but that's about the extent of the knowledge base. Sitting when, when analyzed in terms of health, at least up to this point, is seen the same way that health scientists view exercise. As in, it's something you choose to do or not, and getting you to do more of it is better for your health, okay? <laughs> for instance, it is common for fit pros and trainers and the like to say, make exercise a habit. Uh, I'll be the first person to tell you, maybe actually the first person to tell you, that exercise is too complex of a combination of mental and physical and temporal variables to habitualize. Technically speaking, it's impossible to make exercise a habit. It's possible to ritualize it, you know, form some habits surrounding exercise to lubricate the ritualization process, but that is for another cup of joe, I think. Sitting science, however, as these scientists have just found out, is a completely different monster than exercise science. Exercise, like I just said, is an extremely complex combination of behaviors, both while you're doing it and leading up to it. It requires planning, preparation, budgeting, some level of physical and mental mastery, etc. that's impossible to habitualize. The bottom line is that sitting and standing are fundamentally different as behaviors when compared to purposeful exercising, okay? This is important to know. What I'm saying is that, yes, 
Every time you sit or stand, there is a reason why you do it. Maybe it's an internal micro conversation you can recall. Maybe it's a decision that feels so fast that, it's, that it feels automated. In every case though, there is a reason and there are massive academic knowledge gaps here. It's too different from exercise to ignore. And that's what these scientists published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences or PNAS for short. Their study, which was titled The Temporal Dynamics of Sitting Behavior at Work, a fancy way of saying how sitting changes during the day, it turns out there are all sorts of counterintuitive things going on. When you guessed it, you actually measure it. My favorite. I'll be blunt here though. I'm spending way, way, way less time on the actual data and more about what I think the amazing implications of this information is or are. I think it's a legitimate breakthrough in health science. I really do. And that it'll manifest in the coming years and I'll explain why as I go, okay? Are you more likely to sit for longer periods if you're mentally exhausted? Are you more likely to sit for longer periods if you're physically exhausted? Yes, makes sense to me. <laughs> However, it also makes sense to stand up and move around more because under many circumstances, being exhausted also means being restless, physically or mentally, and that leads to more fidgeting. Are you more likely to stand up and move around earlier on in the day because you're fresher and have more physical and mental energy? Or are you more likely to sit for longer periods and less likely to stand because you're more mentally fresh and therefore have a longer attention span, thus justifying greater levels of productivity in the morning? All these arguments make perfect sense. And all the arguments also have ample anecdotal and empirical data to support the conclusion. So in this, in this experiment that was ran, more than 150 people were equipped with sensors they wore during the day at work, okay? Uh, they were pretty low profile. And they measured that people got up more than 100 times over the course of the day at varying intervals, and it was time of day dependent. But there are three major points here I wanna bring up. One, that is a significant change in body movement on average every four minutes. <laughs> Although the longest sitting stints were in the 30 minute range, okay? Two, accidental, but this is directly damning evidence of how much people actually work. <laughs> and people wonder why humans are getting replaced by machines. That was my third point. It turns out, although people are mentally drained by the end of the workday, that is when, when you look at the data, they change their posture and move around the most. And this is another way it differentiates itself from exercise because it is literally the exact opposite when it comes to both eating and exercising, something that we discussed a little bit earlier in terms of training a little bit more earlier in the day, is that exercise quality and diet quality both go down as a function of mental energy. As in the more mentally exhausted you are, the more likely your activity and diet are going to decline with it, okay? And they are probably fidgeting around at the end of the day and getting up because they're having a harder time concentrating at work. For instance, you know, that's one feasible explanation, I think. And this is partly validated by people in their study also who are taking their longer, uh, their longer sitting periods in the morning, okay? And these nerds took what I think 
are one of the first approaches, if not the first approach, to, to the granular aspects of applied sitting psychophysiology. In other words, there is a general understanding, again, that sitting too much is bad for your health. However, there's, there is also an understanding of and there's an understanding that it is bad for your health and also an understanding of how it's bad for your health. Uh, and for that reason, there are lots of interventions, okay? Like the standing desk, like what I'm using right now, the right? There's all sorts of fun stuff like this, okay? They make perfect sense on paper to counteract the so-called toxicity of sitting and may possibly work sometimes, kinda, okay? What is known is that this top-down approach to answering an issue or, or answering a problem, uh, it is a top-down approach, okay, symptom-based. And top-down approaches are almost inherently inferior to bottom-up approaches, that's my bias, okay? A top-down approach, top approach is sitting is bad, stand more. <laughs> Eating makes you fat, eat less, right? 99% right and 100% wrong, right? Something that we've also discussed a little bit earlier. All right, in, in previous uh, things that, that previous videos, okay? Uh, to that end, there have been a bunch of concerted efforts and concerted approaches to increase the convenience and opportunity to stand, which I think when saying out loud, when saying it out loud sounds ridiculous and absurd. However, when you see the gnarly impact that prolonged sitting has on your mind and body, then it's easy to have that level of urgency. And again, these have manifested as interventions like walk-in talks and frequent breaks and standing desks, etc. Uh, as a corollary, you can also see the, the eating makes you fat, eat less, top-down approach, okay? To that end, there have been concerted approaches to increase the convenience and opportunity to eat less, which again, Saying that out loud sounds ridiculous and absurd. However, when you see the gnarly impact that prolonged overeating has on your mind and body, then it's easy to have that level of urgency. These have manifested as interventions such as artificial sweeteners, low-fat foods, protein and fiber, fortified everything. Okay? Ah, interesting, right? At least I think it's interesting. So why do I, why do I say it this way? Why did I say the exact same thing twice and just replace a few words? because these concerted efforts with food started like 60 years ago, okay? And I'm sure you've seen the practical differences they've made on public health. Approximately zero. For that reason, interventions like the standing desk, right? They are informed by data, they really are. However, they actually have limited theoretical backing. And I must confess again, interventions that have data-driven backing and theoretical backing so data-driven backing would be top-down. Uh, data-driven backing and theoretical backing would be closer to bottom-up. It's superior that way, okay? To be clear, theory in the scientific sense here. Theory in the colloquial language is synonymous with a hunch, right? In science, the word theory is used at least a little more serious, and it implies a mechanistic understanding of a phenomenon validated and replicated by many people in different disciplines. In other words, the theory of gravity is a bit different than the theory of who the killer is when watching Law & Order, all right? Boiled down, all this boiled down, it makes sense to say, sitting is bad, let's make it easier to stand, right? Makes perfect sense, 99% right, 100% wrong. However, what these scientists are doing is asking, uh, does anyone actually know why we're sitting? And when you dig a bit deeper, it appears the answer is no. And once that is nailed down, scientists and engineers will have something to stand on. Oh. Okay, 
the exact the exact data from their study is of low importance and relatively low priority for me. The results they did get, in my opinion, serve more as a proof of concept for their measurement methods, more so than it actually added to the body of health knowledge. In other words, I, I think the follow-up the follow-up studies and experiments conducted using these methods will have greater practical impact. The point is that I believe these scientists are the reason why there will be a massive change in the public health work environment, at least in the progressive spaces, in the near future. They are, in my heavily biased opinion, at the very least, asking the right questions, bottom up. Which I think, as most of you already know, is better than coming up with band-aids, top down, all right? So it's time for me to unabashedly toot my team's horn here. Like, this is why the experts at TKN do so dang good, okay? While my clients regularly and repeatedly achieve results that are hundreds of percents greater than what's regularly published in the medical and fitness literature, and hundreds of percents greater results lasting for hundreds of percents longer, all right? While everyone, other scientists, physicians, fitness people, trainers, etc., they're scrambling to figure out ways to get you to eat less, Dr. Cassie's team is sitting back and asking themselves, why do we eat? And therein lies the secret to TKN success. It could definitely be better, and we're always improving every day, but there's also a reason why Dr. Cassie's team routinely outperforms published literature by such a large margin. A margin so large that it's literally sometimes off the charts when used to measure success in many trials. The last biostatistician I spoke with said our clients would literally be excluded from statistical analyses in many studies because they'd be outliers. Welcome to one area of the world where being abnormal is an advantage, right? <clears throat> so I suppose if you want help becoming abnormal, then you've come to the right place. Make sure to let Dr. Cashy know because evidently he's an expert at making abnormal people. <sighs> I love you all. I hope that sitting science Breakthrough was valuable to you. I'll see you all very soon. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Kashi? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Kashi is out! <laughs>